Hi, everyone. It's great to have you with us this Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. And as Art already expressed, we're so thankful for those of you who have family members who have given their lives for our freedom. I want to welcome all of you, and I particularly want to give a shout out today to our life groups that are meeting this morning in order to experience uh, fellowship and prayer and study of the Word of God together. Uh, So thankful for you and getting together in order to experience the fellowship of Christ this morning. Uh, Friends, over the course of this week, there has been a lot of news about churches. And I'm not going to go into all of that this morning, but I am going to ask you to pray. Would you please be praying for the church as a whole and for Friendship Church in particular? Our desire at Friendship Church is to make decisions that are based on utter and complete obedience to God. We want that to trump everything. We want it to trump our frustrations, our desires, our political philosophies. We want, above all things, to be obedient to God and his call in, his li- in our lives. So would you please be praying for us as there are meetings over the course of this week, uh, there are meetings every week in order to discern what God is calling us to in his word as we experience ever-changing circumstances. And I want to invite all of you to pray with me right now. Let's pray together. Father, we want your primary concerns to be our primary concerns. And so we pray for the unity that Jesus prayed for among your people in John chapter 17. That we would be one as you and your son are one. You said that the world knowing you is dependent upon the oneness and unity of your body. And so let us be united now. And filled with the humility of Jesus, always counting others as better than ourselves. Lord, we pray for the mindset of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1. Who even though he faced deep injustice in his imprisonment, never focused on his rights or frustrations, but always focused on how he could share the gospel next. And how the gospel could move forward even while he was locked away in chains. Lord, we pray that your body would be obedient to your teaching in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. That teaches us that even in the midst of times of frustration with leaders and government officials, your call in our lives is to be so filled with goodness and kindness that it leaves the world and those that we are frustrated with stunned in silence because of the goodness and kindness of our words. Lord, we pray for a love for your word. We see how many Christians and churches are expressing opinions without there ever being an allusion to your word, without ever wrestling with the texts in your word. And we pray that your church in this country would fall in love with your great message once again and see it as authoritative for all of life. Lord, we pray for your leading and your guiding in all things and for your spirit to speak to us right now about idolatry and the temptations in this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, we we are in the final week of our sermon series called Everyday Idolatry. We recognize in this sermon series that God is God 
And he deserves the place of priority in our hearts and in our daily decisions. And we are also acknowledging in this sermon series that there is a constant temptation to put things that aren't God into that place of priority in our heart and in our motives for our daily decisions. And anything that we put in our heart in priority in our daily decisions that isn't God, that's an idol. Now, what are the idols that tempt us most? We're looking at four different idols in this sermon series. We've looked at the idol of possessions, pleasure, performance, and today we come to the idol of popularity. We've looked at those first three, and today we come to the idol of popularity or approval. Or, if we want two words that start with P, we come to the idol of people-pleasing. Perhaps kids out there, you can come up with other words that start with P that relate to what we are talking about this morning. I love the story about a dad and his son and their people-pleasing. Told decades ago, it goes like this. A dad and his teenage son were once going with their donkey to market. As they were walking along next to the donkey, a man passed them and said, You fools, what is a donkey for but to ride on? So the dad put his teenage son on the donkey, and they went on their way. But soon they passed a group of men, one of whom said, See that lazy kid? He lets his father walk while he rides. So the dad ordered his son to get off and got on himself. But they hadn't got far when they passed two women, one of whom said to the other, Shame on that lazy man to let his poor son trudge along while he rides. Well, the dad didn't know what to do. But at last, he lifted his son up, and they both rode on the donkey. By this time, they'd come to a town, and the passers-by began to jeer and point at them. The dad stopped and asked them, what, what are you scoffing at? The people said, aren't you ashamed of yourself for overloading that poor donkey with you and your teenage son? The dad and his son got off and tried to think about what they should do next. They thought and they thought until at last they grabbed a pole. They tied the donkey's feet to it. They raised the pole and the donkey to their shoulders and they began to carry their donkey on the pole. They, little, they went along amid the laughter of all who met them till they came to a bridge where the donkey, getting one foot loose, kicked out and caused the son to drop his end of the pole. In the struggle, the donkey fell over the bridge, his front feet still being tied together. He drowned. And an old wise man who had been following them for a while said to them, that will teach you. Please all and you will please none. As that story illustrates and as we're going to see today, the temptation to make pleasing people the primary priority in our decision making is a reality for so many of us in this life. It is a constant temptation for us. And if we give in to that temptation, it leads to a life of exhaustion, a life of frustration, a life of anxiety, and a life of emptiness. I want us to start by acknowledging that we can take the same action in life for a number of different motives. For example... You and I may arrive at a drinking fountain at the same time. 
This was back when people used to share drinking fountains. Uh, you, you remember those days? And, and you and I, we arrive at a drinking fountain at the same time. And I insist that you go before me. What are my motives in allowing you to go before me at that drinking fountain? Well, one possible motive is that I'm familiar with the drinking fountain and I know it takes a minute for the warm water to clear and the cool water to come in. And so I let you go first so that you'll get all the warm water and I'll get the cool water later. Another possible motive is that I want you to think more of me. I want you to think I'm a pretty great guy and so I let you go first. Another possible motive for letting you go first at the drinking fountain is that I love God and I want to please him. And I recognize he calls me to love other people. And out of a love for God and a desire to love you, I let you go first. Now, in those different scenarios, it's the same action. I have let you go first at the drinking fountain. But I have a different motivation in each and every one of those situations. In the first situation, where I let you go first so you'll get the warm water and I get the cool water, I'm just being a jerk. And in the last scenario, where I let you go first because I want to please God and love you, I'm being a Christian. But in that middle scenario, where I let you go first because I want you to think more of me and think I'm a great guy and approve of me, well, that's people-pleasing. Now, is there anything wrong with people being pleased with us? Is there anything wrong with being liked or being well thought of? Of course, the answer to that is no. When people like us, when people think well of us, that's a gift from God. And we should give thanks to God when people think well of us. But this is the time as we have each of these four weeks, when we need to remind ourselves that the primary thing about these idols that we're looking at is that they are not wicked things. They are good gifts, like being thought well of or being liked, that advance in priority ahead of God. And when those good gifts move ahead of God, they become idols that are ultimately wicked in our life. When we place pleasing people or the approval of people ahead of pleasing God and the approval of God in our decision-making, we are giving in to an idol and we are not pleasing to God in those situations. That's precisely what Paul says. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Did you see that? Paul says our primary priority in our daily decision making can either be pleasing God or it can be pleasing people. But it can't be both. And if our primary priority in our decision making is pleasing people, he says, then we are not pleasing God in those times. There is an excellent account in 1 Samuel 15 about a man who made decisions based on people-pleasing. His name was Saul. Do you know who Saul is? Saul was the first king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel 15, God gives Saul specific instructions. He wants Saul to take the army of the Israelites 
and go and execute his judgment against a terribly wicked people called the Amalekites. The Amalekites were the kind of wicked people who sacrificed every day their children to their false gods. When the nation of Israel escaped Egypt and came and settled in the wilderness, for absolutely no reason, the Amalekites attacked them and tried to wipe them out. And now it is time for God to bring judgment against the Amalekites. And he is choosing to use Saul and the Israelite army to do so. And he gives instructions to Saul that he is to go and destroy the city of the Amalekites. He is to destroy it completely. And he is not, and this is so important, he is not to leave even the animals alive. And he is to take no plunder for himself. God says, Saul, this isn't one of those times for you to grow rich by taking the plunder from a city that you defeat. Yes, people's wealth at this time was primarily in their animals. And so you could get that plunder and grow more wealthy if you take it. But that's not what I'm in this for, Saul. Instead, I am asking you to execute judgment and show my holiness and my judgment upon this people. And so I don't want you to leave even a single animal alive in this. Well, Saul goes and He attacks the Amalekites, and they have victory, and they destroy the city. But Saul chooses to take the plunder from the land, the exact thing that God told him not to do. He chooses to take those animals back with him and with the army. The prophet of this day, Samuel, comes to confront Saul about this, and immediately Saul begins to say, hey, hey, I got the job done. Just like I was commanded. In 1 Samuel 15, 14, he says, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Really? Has he? Samuel says, no way. And Samuel asks him, What then is the bleeding of all the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Uh, Saul, you didn't take sheep and oxen into battle. And so if you destroyed all the sheep and oxen from the city like God told you to, then what are all these animal noises that I'm hearing? At this point, Saul knows that he is busted. And he begins to make excuses. And he says, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. You'll notice Saul here is trying to put this on the people. He's the king, but he's not going to take any responsibility here. They took the animals. Well, Samuel and God are having none of it. Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And Saul said to Samuel, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, Are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Samuel asked Saul, Why did you do this? Here's Saul's response about why he did this. He gives the response in verse 24 of chapter 15. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, 
because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Why did he fail to carry out the commandment of the Lord? Because what was more important to him was what, was what people said than what God said. Because he was primarily concerned with fearing what the people thought of him than fearing what God thought of him. He was primarily concerned with the approval of these people than he was the approval of his God. And the people all said, this is silly. Why are we going to waste all of this money in animals? We should take these. We can at least sacrifice them to the Lord. And Saul should have stood up at this point and said, no, that's not what God said. But instead, he was primarily concerned about pleasing people and their approval in his decision-making. Is there any hint in which the idol of people-pleasing and popularity has crept into your life? Is there any way in which, like Saul, you're tempted to make decisions not primarily with God and his commands and his word in mind, but are tempted to make decisions instead, motivated by what people think and wanting people to think the most of you? Let's do a little bit of a heart examination. I have five questions that I hope us will look in, help us to look inside and ask that question. Is there any way in which the idol of people-pleasing is creeping into our life? The first question is this. Are you often overly busy? Or do you have a hard time saying no because you want people to think the best of you? As people-pleasers, we don't want to say no. We don't want to disappoint people. And so our schedules get so very, very full. Question number two. Are you often fatigued from trying to please everyone at work, church, and in your family? It can be exhausting to try and meet everyone's expectations. There's just so many. How can I possibly meet them all? And it leaves us exhausted at the end of the day. Question number three. Do you experience social anxiety because you're worried about what others think of you and your decisions? The number one cause for social anxiety within us is that we have given in to the idol of people-pleasing and are so deeply tied to what people might think of us. What, what, what do they think if I make this decision? What will they think if I say this? What will they think? What will they think? What will they think? Do you experience social anxiety because you're worried about what people will think of you? Do you lack witness for Jesus because people may not approve? Again, the number one reason people don't share Jesus with others is fear of what people might think. And finally, do you struggle to say hard, hard but necessary things to people? God calls us to always say hard things in love and gentleness. But he does call us to say them. Are there hard and challenging conversations that you're not having? Conversations you need to have in love and gentleness, but you're avoiding them because you're afraid of what people might think of you. Take a moment and look at these questions and just ask yourself, is there any way in which I can see the idol of people-pleasing creeping into my life? Let God's Spirit speak into you now. God... Speak to us and see if there is any way in us that isn't pleasing to you in our, in our motives. If there's any way that people-pleasing has authority over God-pleasing in our daily decisions.
What do I do? If the answer is yes, I see some ways in which the idol of people-pleasing and approval has crept into my daily decision-making. How do I battle that idol of people-pleasing and be a person who seeks to be God-pleasing in every decision that I make? Well, here, friends, I want us to look at the example of Jesus provided for us in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 recounts an extremely busy Saturday for Jesus. He starts the day in the synagogue, and he is teaching the people. And they are astounded at his teaching because it is like no teaching they have ever heard from the other rabbis. He teaches with authority. Throughout the afternoon and into the evening, he is healing people. He is casting out demons. He continues to teach people. That evening, he winds up at the home of Peter where he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then we are told that the entire city comes to Peter's house. Some of them, no doubt, are inside the house with Jesus. Some of them are crowding around the outside, trying to get in. And we are told that Jesus continues to heal and continues to teach into the evening. At some point that night, people began to go home and go to bed. And Jesus at least got a couple of hours of sleep along the way. But then on Sunday morning, he got up before anyone else was up. And he went away by himself in order to spend time with his father. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus managed to sneak away early in the morning out of Peter's house without anyone spotting him. Then he snuck out of town without anybody seeing him. And he went to this desolate place, this place in the hills nearby, where he had an opportunity to spend time with his father. When the people in the town woke up, they all came to Peter's house and tried to find Jesus. Peter, where is he? And Peter started looking around the house and said, I I don't know, he's not here. What do we do? So they began to search the city. And as they went throughout the city, they were like, wait, where is he? We, We don't know where he is. And so they began to search the surrounding countryside. And finally, they find Jesus in this desolate place where he has gone to pray. And when they meet him and encounter him, they immediately say to him, Jesus, great news. Everybody wants to see you. You are trending, Jesus. Everybody wants you around. Everybody wants you to come back to the town and spend more time with us. Now, we're told in the scripture that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And I have to believe at this point, there was at least some temptation for Jesus to give in to a motive of pleasing people here. Everyone's expectation, Jesus, are that you come back to the town and hang out with us. Everybody loves you and thinks you're awesome. Right? How many of us would love to go back and meet these people's expectations and go to a place where everybody thinks we're amazing and thinks that we're awesome? They all want you, Jesus. Well, of course we should go there. But what we see from Jesus throughout the Gospels 
is that he never acts with people-pleasing as his motive in the decisions that he makes. The people want to make him king by force in John chapter 6, and Jesus says to him, that's not going to happen, and just leaves. In Matthew chapter 15, people say, Jesus, you know, your language, your harsh language towards the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, it's offending them. Could you lighten up a little bit? And Jesus says, no, they need to hear this. They are damaging people. I will not lighten up a little bit. Jesus never gives in to people-pleasing. People wanted him to help them march on Rome. Jesus says, nope. People wanted him to sit on a throne in Jerusalem. Jesus says, nope. They wanted him to show them signs. They demanded it. And Jesus says, nope. Over and over again, Jesus hangs out with people who were lowly and sinful and damaged his reputation with the important people of his day. And he refused to chase after the important people of his day because pleasing people and seeking approval never motivated Jesus. What motivated Jesus? Always the approval of his Father. And we see that in Mark chapter 1. Verses 38 and 39. Look at this. And he said to them, right? Everybody wants you. Come on back, Jesus. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus, everybody wants you over here. And Jesus says, great, then let's go over there. He won't give in to motivations of approval and people-pleasing. Instead, he is always motivated by pleasing his Father and carrying out the mission that his Father has given to him. So that in John chapter 6, verse, verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus says, I am not primarily motivated on this earth by the things that I want, or by the things that other people want, I am always first and foremost motivated by my Father and by His plans. I want that in my life. Anyone else? I don't want to be primarily motivated by people-pleasing in my life. I don't want people's approval to weigh significantly on me. Instead, in all situations, I want my primary motivation to be about pleasing God and His approval in our lives. Isn't that what you want as well? What is the key to that? Jesus shows us the key to that in the first verse that we looked at. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, what is the first thing that Jesus did in this passage? He got up early in the morning while it was still dark. He went out to the wilderness, and what did he do? He spent time with his Father. He spent time in prayer, being with his Father. What is it that is the key for us to overcome the motive of people-pleasing in our life, and instead to be filled with the motive of God-pleasing in our life, in all of the decisions that we face, it is time spent with the Father, time spent in prayer, being with Him, time spent in the Scriptures, learning from Him. The people that we spend the most time with are the people that impact and influence us when it comes to who we're going to please. There are people that I was with 20 years ago in my life every day. 
And I was tempted to please them with my decisions. I'm not tempted now. I don't see them very often. It's the people we're with most that we're most tempted to please in our decisions. And so God says, come and be with me. Spend time with me. And then I will imprint my desires upon your heart and upon your mind. And that will be your primary concern in all things. We only get the ability Jesus had to overcome people-pleasing and care only about God-pleasing by spending time with the Father. The only way that our heart and mind and mouth can cry out with the truth of our theme verse, Psalm 73, 25, and 26, is by spending time with the Father. It's only when we grow deeper and deeper into relationship with Him that we truly understand and cry out with the words of Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Say it again. Read it again, friends. Whom have I in heaven but you? And God, the earth has nothing I desire besides you. Affirm that right now, God. Absolutely. You're it. You're our great desire. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can we pray right now that that would be true in our lives? Let's pray together. Father, we want to pray that Psalm 73, 25, and 26, that we have spent time going over each week in this series, that we have memorized, would be at the root of our lives. That we would desire you, that you would be on the throne in our life, and that all other things, as Paul said last week, would be considered loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing you. Lord, we pray that this would be our lifeblood Knowing you, seeking after you, being with you would be what life is all about for us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we have had every week, we have discussion questions for you today. And I want to encourage you to go through those discussion questions when we're done here in a few minutes. And if you're by yourself, you can spend some time journaling with God about these questions. If you're with your family, you can lead your family through them. If you're meeting with your life group this morning, your life group can spend some time going through these questions. And the questions for this morning help us to dig in and seek if there is any way in which these idols have been creeping into our heart. Question number one, how do you see the idol of popularity and people-pleasing expressed in our world? Question number two, is there any way that you see the idol of people-pleasing in your own life? Question number three, which of the four idols that we talked about in this series is the most tempting to you? How, how do you see that in your life? And how do you want to live out the truths of Psalm 73, 25, and 26 in your life this week? When we're done here in just a moment, I want to encourage you to spend some time with those questions. But before we close our service, we're going to continue to praise God in song there's an opportunity for you to give to God of your financial resources. You can give on our website, you can give through the app, or you can mail in a check. Uh, but we want to continue to express our love to God and worship for Him in our giving. And lift Him up and exalt Him in song as we praise His name. And 
shout out to him over and over again that he is what matters most in our lives. Let's sing and worship together.
you on the throne where you belong and you are in control. Help us to lean into you and to trust you in everything and all that we're dealing with and all that we're going through. Lord, thank you for being constant, for being our rock, for being worthy no matter what. We love you. Walk with us now this week. In your name we pray, amen.